when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center, looks downfield, fires deep, complete, Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs! The speed! Touchdown! Carr with another bomb! And now, your host, Evan Grote. And let's go, Raider Nation! And welcome to another episode of Just Pod, baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. Just Pod Baby is brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com, the one and only independent Raiders news source coming at you from the heart of it all in Las Vegas. Now, I'm glad to be here with you again, as always, for another new show. We got back into the swing of things here at Just Pod Baby last week with our first show of the 2021 season. We're, we have another great show planned for you uh, this week. A lot to discuss. The Raiders wrapped up uh, week two of training camp. The pads came on Tuesday and Wednesday. They had the day off on Thursday, and we're going to be breaking it all down here for you this week. They were very active as well, signing a couple of players, bringing players in for, for workouts. So uh, continuing to, to tweak that roster uh, this week. Before we get started, though, I want to urge you to head over to the website, my website for the podcast, justpodbaby.com. I've got a new story up for you on the blog page this week about the hype surrounding Tanner Muse. We heard a lot about him this week, and I'm going to be continuing to update the blog page going forward. I really want to begin to grow the website uh, I'm going to be investing some more time and energy into that in the coming days here. I know that you guys crave your Raiders content, especially this time of year, and I want to be there to provide it for you. Now, in segment one, what we do every week, I like to bring you the news and the notes, and there's a lot of news and notes this week. Um, and then also later in segment one, what I want to do is I'm, we're going to play a little game this week. We're going to play a little game. You guys, the listeners, um, driving in your car, or maybe you're getting a quick workout in or take it, going for a walk, whatever it is that you're doing while you listen to the show. I want you to play along in this game with me. We're going to play pretender or contender where I'm going to throw out the names of three players who are off to a pretty good start so far in training camp. And I want to know if you're buying it. Are you buying into the idea of these three players that they can be contributors this year? Okay, a little bit more on uh, on that in just a moment. And then in segment two, what I, what I want to do is I'm going to give you my, I know it's early, we're only two weeks into training camp here, but I want to give you my early look at a, at a 53-man roster projection, um, again, after two weeks into training camp. So that is the rundown for the show. I hope you guys are excited as I am. Um, as I said, I want to begin this week with the news and the notes, and there's a lot of them. The Raiders added a new defensive lineman to the mix this week in Gerald McCoy. The news uh, became official on Wednesday. We saw the tweets from Schefter and, and Rappaport that he was in town for a visit. Um, they liked what they saw after the workout. Mayock didn't let him leave the building without signing that contract, so they bring in uh, a grizzled vet in Gerald McCoy. And I think the question that we are asking ourselves right now about McCoy is, 
what does he have left, right? What does he have left? He was once a dominant force as a three-tech. He's now 33 years old. He's coming off a torn quadricep muscle that cost him the entire 2020 season. How much does he have left in the tank? Um, going back to his last full season, which was the 2019 season, he did register five sacks, which, you know, for the Raiders, that would have been great. They they would love to have one of those interior defensive linemen uh, rack up five sacks this year. That would be a big, a big boost for them. Now, one of the things that I, and I know a lot of other people are thinking about it because I, I see it online and, I, and I've heard some of the press conferences or I've listened to some of the other beat writers on Raider Nation Radio and, I, and I've heard what they had to say. A lot of people share this question. I'm not quite sure how I should be looking at the news of a new addition along the D-line because all offseason long, we heard about this retooled defensive line with, with so much added depth. We were told to be excited about Solomon Thomas, and we were told to be excited about Darius uh, Philon and the undrafted free agent Darius Stills and, and so on and so on. And, and now just two weeks into camp, they decide to bring in another body. So, um, you know, is it just they want to take a look at him? Um, perhaps they want to just have... Um, a name on their Rolodex. Uh, in the instance, there's an injury later in the season. They have a guy that they've they, they've taken a look at. Um, so there, there's a number of reasons what it could be. Perhaps one of the the, the storylines that is out there is that they're not totally sold on Solomon Thomas. Um, Vinny Bonsignor, beat writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal, has kind of said that's not the case. The people that he has spoken to, uh, close to the organization or, or within the organization, have said they really like. Um, Solomon, my personal uh, opinion is, and again, not to beat a dead horse, I've talked about this before. I, I've said many times I wasn't sold on the moves that were made. I like the addition of Quentin Jefferson. I think he should be a big boost on the interior part of that defense, providing a little bit of a push. But I, I was not taking the bait, and I'm still not taking the bait on Solomon Thomas um, at all, d- despite what um, you know. Gruden says about him in a press conference or about what I'm reading from beat writers. I I, I just, I have said it all along. I, I want to see him out there before I, before I can actually believe that he can be a productive player uh, for this team. And, and you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope, I hope he can come in and be a contributor because we all know they need some help along that defensive line. But I just, I never saw it with, 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 um, Solomon Thomas. And, and I'll stand by those original feelings and, and those statements until I'm proven wrong. Um, Darius Phylon, uh, again, we've heard good things about him coming out of training camp. I'm, I'm still a little skeptical of him, mostly because you know he's been out of the game for a couple years. Um, two years, I believe. Um, I don't question the ability. It's more so about can he get back to the, the, the form that he was in in that 2017 uh, in 2018 season. Again, that's, that's, that's a few years ago now. So, um, uh, moving on here. Um, there were a couple other, um, transactions that were made. Um, they signed, uh, another running back, uh, today, Friday. Um, they brought in another running back to, to go along with, uh, the other two Alabama running backs that they have in Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs. They brought in Bo Scarborough and, uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of information on Bo Scarborough. He's a bigger back. Uh, he's kind of uh, bounced around with a couple other of teams. Uh, I believe the Detroit Lions being one of them, as well as the, uh, I think he was with Tennessee for a while. Uh, I think he was drafted by the Cowboys. Um, so really hasn't been able to kind of find his home. I think he's only 25 years old still. So, you know, just another body. Again, I don't know if this is 
something we should be looking into more so about uh, lack of what they're seeing in the current running back room or just, again, bringing in another bit, another body to take a look, see what he has to offer. So um, they did sign Bo Scarborough as well. Um, they also brought in K.J. Wright this week, linebacker, who uh, we all know pretty well from, from uh, Seattle and, and their defense. And, and, you know, that makes a lot of sense um, because he's got that uh, – history with with uh, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley and again I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watch a lot of Seattle Seahawks football and I know a ton about KJ Wright um I, I don't I know that he's a productive player based on what the 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 numbers I've looked at I haven't really watched any film on him yet but um he did leave the building with without a contract um, from what I hear, he has a couple other teams that are also interested in him. So he's probably making the rounds before he he settles on a team and a destination that where 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 he wants to be. Um, next on the news and notes, um, kind of getting back to the the running back room, Jalen Richard, um, not off to a great start here in training camp. Uh, he dealt with COVID. He was on the COVID list. He returned from the COVID list, practiced a day or two, and now he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, it sounds like, with a foot injury. So just just can't seem to get things going for Jalen Richard. Um, and and I talked about it, I, I believe I talked about it last week. I, you know, I'm not sure if we should feel like Jalen Richard's roster spot is in a bit of jeopardy. It could be. Um, I could be wrong. I know Gruden likes uh, what he offers to the team. He has some special teams abilities to return the ball in the return game. He's a great pass protector uh, on third down situations. So I know Gruden likes a lot of those things that he does. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. He's going to be one of those guys that you want to keep a close eye on here as uh, training camp continues to play out. I do think he is a guy that could be on the roster uh, bubble. And the final note that I wanted to touch on from week two of practice is the chatter that's been coming out this week out of Henderson surrounding the 2019 draft class and, and, and their desire to 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 take more of a, a leadership role in this team, a little bit more accountability. Gruden was asked about that this week when he met with the media. Here's what he had to say. I hope so. I mean, they're the oldest guys on our team now, the third-year veterans, and, um, you know, Max Crosby and Farrell and Abram. You know, we had great press conferences when they got here, and, you know, now's their time. You know, we need them all to step up and not only play good, but be leaders on this team. And uh, I'm encouraged by what they're saying. I'll be more encouraged when I see what they do. And so there was head coach John Gruden uh, speaking about the 2019 draft class, and, you know, that was one of the big storylines uh, that we took away from camp this week is that class and their, you know, their desire to be leaders, right? They, they want to be more vocal. They want to lead by example. And I wanted to go back for a minute to the start of last season, that 2020 season. Think about the, the, the vibes and the expectations that were there for that 2019 draft class, right? After their rookie season, I think the expectations for that class, I know at least with myself, were through the roof. I mean, they had a fantastic rookie year, I think, as a whole, um, you saw Josh Jacobs go over a thousand yards. Max Crosby burst onto the scene with with du- double digit sacks as the fourth round pick. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Hunter Renfro, Trayvon Mullen, Alec Ingold—they were all, you know, major contributors to this team. Played a lot of snaps, and you know, it had looked like very early on that Mayock and Gruden had really hit a home run with this class, and that was after a disappointing rookie year from from the fourth overall pick um, in in Cleve Farrell. And and John Abram, who another first round pick, who missed the entire season with the shoulder injury. 
But uh, unfortunately, in 2020, we saw some of those players, they went through that sophomore slump. They took a step back. Max Crosby, his sack, his sack numbers declined. He was not as efficient as he was in 2019. Josh Jacobs, he, he was also not as efficient. Dealt with injuries, I understand, but he's he saw his per carry average dropped by a, a yard, and, and maybe that had something to do with the offensive line and, and their injuries and, and whatnot. Um, Abram and, and Mullen, you know, they had struggles as well in the secondary. So I, I think year three is a big one for all of them. Um, if this team wants to take the next step, which is which is to get to the playoffs. Um, you know, they were brought in. We, we heard Mayock talk a lot about it, drafting foundational players. They are the foundation of this team. I still believe that. And it sounds like they are ready. They are ready now in year three to take full ownership. And that's, that is a great thing. That's what you want to see. I, I know we've seen Max Crosby already stepping up, being a vocal player out there from the, the, the few clips that I have seen. Um, he's definitely, you know, willing to take on a larger role in, in that aspect of the game. And then you got some of the guys on the offensive side of the ball, like Renfro, like Ingold, like Morrow and Jacobs. Not the most vocal guys, but there's more than one way to be a leader. You don't always have to be the loudest guy out there. You can also be a great leader by example and, and you know listening to the things that they say. I've heard all the press conferences, and I, I like what these guys are saying. So we're just going to have to see how it all works out. But no doubt, year three is a big one for the 2019 class. So there, are, those are your, your news and notes from week two of training camp. And, and now what I want to do here uh, to, to end segment one is I want to play pretender or contender, as I said. So I'm going to give you three names. And as you're sitting there listening, you can decide what you think. You could also reach out to me on Twitter. As I always tell you, DM me or reach out through the website on the contact page. Give me some of your thoughts. Um, is this player a pretender? Is it all just training camp hype? Or do you think they're a legit contender to not only make the team, but but work their way into a, into a role and, and be productive? So we're going to start out the first name. Um, on my list is a name that we heard a lot about this week, and that's Tanner Muse. Muse, as you know, he's a he's a second year linebacker uh, for the Raiders. He was drafted in round three in the 2020 draft, a pick that you know many did not like that pick, uh, as, at least not that early on. And and I got to admit, I was one of those guys that was really uh, a little bit confused when I when I saw that his name uh, selected. He struggled. I remember last year, all the reports were that he struggled in training camp. He uh, was injured. He went on the injured reserve in September. And then eventually, in October, he needed season-ending uh, surgery to his toe. It was a toe injury that he dealt with. So it was a lost season for, for Muse. Um, but it sounds like he lived at the, the facility in the offseason, took his... Uh, recovery, his, his, uh, you know, rehab. That's the word I was looking for. He took his rehab really serious. He's out there. He's in great shape. He, um, he's in good health right now. He's moving well, and he's really creating a buzz for himself. And, and I got to admit, I'm a little surprised. I'm sure you are as well. He's running with the ones right now with the ones in the base defense. And, um, you know, again, not something that I, I thought that I would be hearing about uh, week two uh, of training camp in his second year after a completely lost rookie season. Now, 
Gus Bradley likes his linebackers. He wants athletic. He wants speed. Those are the players he wants. And, and, and that's exactly what Muse does well. He's got 4-4-1 speed. He's 6'3", 230 pounds. That's impressive. When you're 230 pounds and you can run a 4-4 and, and you've got ball skills and, and, and whatnot, that, that's that's impressive. You might find your way onto the field. Um, you know, one thing I, I do think we all need to remember is that you know, we have to remember that this is a new regime. This is a new guy at the helm. Gus Bradley sees players or, or, or wants players to do things differently than, than Paul Gunther did. So just because a player may have gotten a ton of time last year at a certain position on defense doesn't mean that that'll be the case this year. We got to keep that in mind. And, and so I'm saying that because, you know, I was curious, well, if, if Muse is running with the ones in base defense, then who's the odd man out right now? And that odd man, that odd man out right now is Nick Kwiatkowski, who they brought in in free agency just a year ago, gave him a decent contract. And, and so now you've got, you're looking at your three linebackers in base as Muse, Morrow in the middle, and Littleton. And, and you know, so if, if you're into speed on the field, that linebacker, those three guys, they have it. So, um you know, head coach John Gruden, he did meet with the media. I played a I played a audio clip from him just a moment ago. I'm going to play a little bit more from Gruden um, when he was asked about Tanner Muse and, and the progress that he has made. Uh, let's take a listen to what John Gruden had to say about Tanner Muse. Well, he's showing up in the base right now because he's showing up in the in the lineup. He hasn't won that spot yet. He's getting a good look. His speed and athleticism um, are what we think is conducive to that position, the auto position. So he's doing some good things. We we aren't in enough base to really see him yet, but that will continue to uh, emerge as the next couple weeks unfold. So there was Gruden there on Tanner Muse. Um, Not ready to anoint him the starter, but he's getting a look and and he's doing some some good things. Um, Now, much like the rest of the NFL, Gus Bradley and the Raiders, they're not going to play a whole lot of base defense, uh, I don't think, anyways. I mean, if you look at the numbers of the percentages of teams playing base defense, it's not a very high percentage. Um, So they're going to probably be playing in the nickel more times than not. So who knows how often Muse would even be on the field if he was to win that starting job. But my question is, here it is, are you buying it? Is Tanner Muse a pretender or a contender to start at linebacker for the Raiders week one. What do you think? Let me know. Now, it's extremely early in the process. I assume he will get some opportunities here in the preseason to show what he can do in, in a game-like setting, but I think that one's still a long ways from being determined. Now, the next name that I want to give you here in Pretender or Cretender is cornerback Nate Hobbs, the rookie, right? The, fi- the, the round five selection by the Raiders in this past year's draft. It's not often fifth-round picks come in immediately and start, but that might be the case with Nate Hobbs as he competes with Nevin Lawson and Amik Robertson for that slot corner job. He got the coach's attention in OTAs and in minicamp, and he continues to get high praise from his coaches in training camp. Let's take a listen now to defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. He spoke this week. Here's what he had to say about his rookie slot corner, Nate Hobbs. I, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to that question, but yeah, the nickel corner now, Hobbs has done really well. I really like Lawson. He's shown up. Amik has done some good things. Again, this is all at the temple we've been practicing at, but still, we keep track of mental errors. You know, 
just see our guys playing fast, and Hobbs is the guy that is playing fast. I mean, it's almost from day one that he stepped in, so very pleased with his progress. Sounds like we should be uh, excited about Nate Hobbs. That's pretty uh, pretty complimentary uh, stuff there from, from Gus Bradley. Now, one of the things we've also heard from Gruden in, in regards to Hobbs is that he comes in as a 22-year-old rookie who played four years at, at, in college, but he carries himself like a pro. He practices like a pro. He, he, he really has been able to grasp the concepts of Gus Bradley's scheme, and he credits those qualities that Hobbs has to playing four years in a pro-style system at the University of Illinois under Lovey Smith, who, you know, spent time many years as an NFL head coach and defensive coordinator. So, and, and you know, that that's great. That's great when you got a guy who, you know, is used to the NFL game because of what he went through at the college level. That's, that's definitely going to be an advantage for him. And one of the things that I really like about Hobbs when I look at some of his measurables I can't say that I've watched a lot of his film, but 6'1", 195 pounds. He runs in the four threes. That is an excellent combo. That size and that speed, especially at slot corner, I mean, he he could really take advantage of, of some of those smaller slot wide receivers and, and, and maybe be a little bit more physical with them. He can run with all of them. So, you know, you like, you like that uh, aspect. But I'm not, you know, I'm really not at all surprised to hear that, you know, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. That was one of the other praises that he got. Uh, they say he does not make the same mistake twice and, and you know, and, and how he's carrying himself in camp because I joked about it on, on draft day. And if you follow me on Twitter, Twitter, Egro5, uh, if you don't, go ahead and do it now. I I tweeted out many times, every time the Raiders made a selection, I think, I think like four of their selections were team captains. And that is one of the things that we have heard Mayock stress is bringing in foundational players who love football in the past couple of years, you know, that, that is what you have seen from this team. I think Cleveland Farrell was a team captain. Um, again, just from this, just most recent draft class, I believe Alex Leatherwood, Trayvon, uh, Merrig, Nate Hobbs. And there was one other player in there and I, the name is slipping my mind. I'd have to go back and look, but another team captain. So I'm really not at all surprised to hear that he, you know, he carries himself with a, you know, high level of professionalism. And, and I think it's, um, it's one of the reasons why you seek out players when you're, when you're drafting players, that's why you bring in players like that, because you want them to come right in and, and, you know, just pick right up where they left off in college and, and, you know, make that transition a little bit easier for them. So I ask you now, we know Nate Hobbs is in the mix at slot corner, is he a pretender or a contender to start at slot cornerback for the Raiders here in 2021, week one? And the final, the final name that I want to throw out there for you, okay? Another guy we have heard a lot about this week, a lot of chatter. Brian Edwards, receiver, off to a good start in training camp. Saw his name tweeted out a lot this week. Saw some clips of him on the Raiders.com website making a, a, a beautiful catch um, with Meek Robertson in coverage on Wednesday. Edwards won the starting job last year. So we know, we know he's already a bit of a contender. But what I want to know, is he a contender to stay healthy, play a full season, Right, be a contributor, be a weapon that Derek Carr and this offense can rely on. I know about all the physical traits. I mean, they're calling him T.O. Gruden compared him to T.O. <laughs> that's that's when you're getting talked about 
and, and, uh, compared to those types of players. And I think it's more so from a physical, uh, you know, physical characteristics. The guy's got, you know, he's jacked up, right? Um, but I, you know, I worry about the health. Okay, I know he's a physical freak. I know the success he had at South Carolina, but I also know that in college he dealt with injuries, and it was one of the reasons that he fell to the third round to the Raiders. So I think it's fair to have some doubts about him and his health. I mean, he did not stay healthy in his rookie year. I'm going to play some audio for you right now from Brian Edwards. He also met with the media this week. Let's take a listen. Um, I feel like we definitely have a very diverse group. We have me, you know, obviously a big body, you know, outside receiver. Ruggs, uh, extremely fast, can take the top off any defense, can make plays underneath, can do it all. Uh, Hunter, just, you know, third and Renfro, Swiss Army knife, you know, tough as nails. And we got Zay Jones that can play every position. So we got a lot of guys, Willie Sneed, John Brown. I mean, I feel like we have a very dynamic room. There you heard from Brian Edwards speaking about the diversity and the depth in the Raiders wide receiver room this year. And I don't think he's wrong at all. I think they got a lot of different guys in there can, that can do a lot of good things. And I and I hope that he personally can can get it all together and just stay healthy. That is the big thing for him. Be productive, make some plays, because I do think the Raiders are going to need him. There's going to be weeks where where Waller, you know, isn't getting his 10 or 12 targets and maybe their you know defenses are, are, are locking in on him and maybe Ruggs isn't able to, to break free so they're going to need guys like Renfro and Edwards to step up and, and be you know a target for Derek Carr in this offense so again my question to you is is Brian Edwards is he a pretender or a contender to stay healthy this year in 2021 so those are my three names for you to think about reach out to me uh, let me know what you are thinking about these three players Okay, guys, I'm up against my first break here. Still a lot to get to um, in this episode. When I return from this quick break, I'm going to take a look at the 53-man roster, give you my early projections, kind of what, what I'm thinking about how this roster might shape up. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. Want to get involved in the show? Yeah, man. Tweet at Evan at egroat 5 with your comments or questions. I love the Raiders. And most of all, I love to win. This is Just Pod, baby. Part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Touchdown, Vegas. Let's go, Raider Nation. Okay, just pod baby segment two, week two of training camp. I touched on the news and the notes at the top of the show, but I almost forgot to mention the other really big news this weekend involving the Raiders, and that will be taking place out in Canton, Ohio on Saturday night, and that is the enshrinement into the Hall of Fame for Charles Woodson and Coach Tom Flores' first ballot for C. Wood. And it's been a long time coming for Coach Flores. I was beginning to worry that maybe he wasn't going to get in, but they do both get the call this weekend. And I'm looking forward to listening to both of their speeches. I think those are really, that's one of the greatest things about the Hall of Fame induction is listening to those players get up there on that mic and just, uh, you know, share their stories and their journeys uh, to the Hall of Fame. I'm looking forward to what what both of those men have to say. Um, And also, I don't want to forget... I'm also looking forward to uh, seeing the violator, Mr. Wayne Mabry, a uh, two-time guest here on Just Pod Baby. 
Uh, he's also being inducted into the Ford Hall of Fans this this weekend. A great honor for him. We've had him on here, and uh, just a great guy. Uh, very well deserving of the honor. And, I, and, and so I send out my congratulations to those three men. It is a big weekend uh, out in Canton for Raider Nation. And as I promised, in this final, this, this brief segment, number two, uh, I wanted to take a, a look at the 53-man roster. Uh, I know it's just two weeks into training camp, uh, and there's st- this is you know before any preseason games. But I wanted to at least take a look at uh, the 53-man roster and come up with a projection. And I have to tell you, when I was was sitting down and going through the positions, uh, it kind of occurred to me that I don't th- think there's many surprises uh, with with this with this roster right now. I think it's it's pretty. Um, I wouldn't say set in stone. Obviously, there's a couple guys who are on the bubble right now, but, um, I think this, this was a pretty clear cut exercise for me. There, um, maybe some guys that could go either way. Uh, but for the most far part, um, I feel pretty confident with these, uh, projections and I'm going to start with the quarterbacks. I do expect to see, um, three quarterbacks. Obviously it's Carr, Mariota, and Peterman. For a second, we thought Mariota would be traded to the Colts. And it's still very possible that if uh, another team, uh, should have an injury occur to their quarterback. Uh, maybe they find themselves in a pinch and need a quarterback. Mariota could still be dealt, but as of now, he is a lock to make the team. And as far as Nate Peterman is concerned, it's pretty clear how Gruden feels about him. Um, and I, So I do have um, three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. Moving uh, to the running backs, I think the one question you could have when you look at the running backs are or is, I should say, is with Jalen Richard. And I know they just went out and signed Bo Scarborough. I think that's more of a camp body. I just don't see him um, staying with this team. And I discussed it at the top of the show about Jalen Richard. He hasn't had an ideal start to training camp, even with, um, you know, when we, he dealt with the COVID, as I mentioned, and, and now this latest setback here. Um, he's only expected to miss two weeks. That's not the end of the world. Uh, they know what they're getting in a player like Jalen Richard, and I think Gruden really likes what he does in the blocking game, um, and, and so I just can't see them releasing him. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this also. Let's say Jacobs sh- should miss some time, which, you know, he's missed time in each of the last two seasons. Uh, and so if he does miss some time, well, now you have a guy like Kenyon Drake who can step right in and be your RB1, be your bell cow, and if you keep Richard around, you still have him to be that change of pace, that third down back, and, and, and you and you you have full confidence in him that he can come right in and, and do exactly what you need him to do. So you could certainly do a lot worse than Jalen Richard as your running back three. So I do think uh, he does make the team as well. Wide receivers. When I look at the wide receivers, I had a hard time deciding if they will keep six or seven. So again, this could go either way. I'm going to say... For this projection, I'm going to say they keep seven. And, and number seven, the the final wide receiver to make the team is going to be DJ Turner, a former guest on the show. He has some special teams ability uh, in the return game. He's pretty dynamic going back to college um, as a returner. So I think that's intriguing. Your locks to make the team are uh, obviously Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, John Brown, Zay Jones, and my sixth spot is going to Willie Sneed. Um, there's a possibility maybe he doesn't make it. I know there's been some uh, some chatter about a guy like Dylan Stoner. I haven't heard much about him recently. Doesn't that doesn't mean he's having a, a bad camp? 
Um, but I do think Gruden likes his vets, so I, I think you, you give the nod to Snead there. So that would give you seven um, total wide receivers. Again, if they go, if they decide to go six wide receivers rather than seven, then I think there's a possibility you see them go with maybe 11 defensive backs. More on that uh, in just a moment. Tight end, that's an easy one. Uh, Morrow, Waller, Carrier, move on. Um, I know they have the... Um, I know they signed an undrafted free agent, and the name is slipping my mind right now, of a tight end who they really liked coming out. There were some good things that were said about him, but I think he's more of a candidate for uh, the practice squad. Um, and again, his name is slipping my mind here. I'm scrolling through the roster as we speak trying to find his name, so I'm going to try to kill some time here as I do that. Um, but I believe he came out of, was it Penn State? Um, I could be wrong. Oh, Bushman, Matt Bushman. There it is, BYU, yeah. Uh, 6'5", 245. So I think he's a guy you might see try to stash on the practice squad. Uh, but anyhow, moving over to the offensive and defensive lines, you know, it really comes down to a numbers game here for these two groups, uh, which, which makes it tough because, you know, you just don't know how many they're going to decide to keep. I'm going to start with the offensive line. You know, the retirement of Sam Young, that opens the door for someone. Um, you know, there could be a number of players who, who make the team now that he's decided to retire. I'm going to go with Brandon Parker. I think he makes the team. Um, he, he was a guy who I thought possibly was on the bubble. Um, they, they, but I think he's safe now. So you have Parker, uh, with your, as your final offensive lineman who makes a team to go along with Miller, Incognito, James, Simpson, Leatherwood, Good, and Nick Martin is your backup center. That's eight offensive linemen with Parker. Uh, as your swing tackle, and depending on who wins that right guard job, you either have Simpson or Good in a reserve role. The thing about Denzel Good that I've always liked is that he can play guard and tackle, so he gives you a little bit of flexibility there. Defensive line is probably one of the more trickier groups along with defensive backs, I think. Uh, They were hard to project because... uh, well, especially when you consider the addition of Gerald McCoy. He he made it a little bit trickier. Um, I'm going to say McCoy makes the team. Uh, I know that he hasn't been there as long as some of these other guys, that he, he missed out on the offseason portion with the team. But, but, you know, this isn't his first rodeo. He's been around this league a long time. He's had some success, so I do think he makes it. Besides McCoy, you will have... Um, on the roster, and this is going to include the defensive ends as well, not just interior, but D ends as well. You're going to have Crosby, Ngakaway, Farrell, Kuntz, Nassib, Hankins, Jefferson, and Phylon. That's a total of nine defensive linemen. Um, again, maybe they get, maybe they go ten. I don't know. Um, I'm leaving off. If you noticed, uh, Solomon Thomas did not make this roster uh, in my in my projection here. I I'm going to stand by my statement that. Um, he will not make this team. We'll see. Linebackers. I, I know it sounds like a lot, but I'm going to say they keep six. They're going to keep six. Um, and and I you know I think Javen White could be a guy who is is fighting for that sixth spot. You know I think if they decide to release him, they might want to try to bring him back on the practice squad, but he might not make it back to that practice squad. Kind of like what we saw with Keelan Doss a couple years ago where he was cut, ended up signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they were able to get him back. But um, I think they like White. And I, in fact, I think we've heard he's been you know, even getting a, some reps with the first team, the ones and the twos. So I think they really do like him. I think he grew a lot 
um, you know, in his first year with the Raiders. So I don't think they want to give him up. So they're going to try to keep him, I believe. And then you you you, you combine uh, your other locks: Littleton, Morrow, Quitkowski, Muse, and Diablo. So there there's six linebackers there. A lot of speed with that group. A lot of speed, and and they should. Um, you know, if, if if they decide to only keep five, I think Javen White would be the odd man out there. Now, the defensive backs. This one, like I mentioned, was one of the trickier ones for me, along with the the D linemen. And it really comes down to, I mean, they could keep anywhere between. They'd have to keep at least ten. I don't think they could go as low as nine. There's, I mean, I look at this list of names, um, either ten or eleven. Um, for this exercise, I believe I kept 10. So you, you've got Mullen, Hayward, Arnett, Lawson. I think Amik Robertson makes makes this roster. Uh, I don't think they want to give up on a, a second-year player so soon. I know that it's kind of um, a log jam at, with slot corners. I mean, you've got Lawson, Robertson. Uh, Hobbs is going to make the team. So you've got three slot corners right there that might be one too many I don't know you got Merrig Abram Carl Joseph is going to make the team and then my final spot went to Tyree Gillespie I mean he's a, a rookie you're not going to give up on him uh, of course and you you know he you've heard some good things about him so that gives you 10 DBs right there it's a possibility they could decide to go with 11 which if they decided to go with 11, I think it's it's Keyshawn Nixon. That's who I'm going to go with. He would make the team over a Rasul Douglas, the veteran, and uh, a guy I liked a year ago, Isaiah Johnson. Um, Nixon is he, he's a key contributor on special teams. Um, one of those gunners out there on the outside. He does a nice job there. So and, and also in a pinch, he can play some corner. So you know, 10, 11. That's a tricky one. I went with 10 here, but I wouldn't be surprised to keep them uh, keep. 11 and, and go with Nixon there. Uh, your special teamers, AJ Cole, Trent Sieg, and, and kicker Daniel Carlson, uh, round out your 53-man roster. So why don't you know? Why don't you give it a shot? Fill out your 53-man roster projection. See how well you do. Um, you know, when when they do come out with a 53-man roster here in, in a couple weeks, not an easy exercise, but a, a fun one indeed. And you know, I am really looking forward to next week's first preseason game. I don't expect to see any of the starters in that game against Seattle at Allegiant Stadium, but I do, you know, I want to get a look at some of these guys who are on the bubble. Uh, you know, players that I mentioned fighting for a roster spot, like a Javen White, like a Keyshawn Nixon and Isaiah Johnson. Uh, those are the guys that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on in those, uh, in those preseason games. Well, that about does it for this week, Raider Nation. Thank you all for subscribing to the show and to, for tuning in each week and listening. I hope that everyone out there has a wonderful weekend. We are now that much closer to regular season week one, Monday Night Football. Prime time for the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. That place is going to be rocking against the Baltimore Ravens. I cannot wait. But until next week when we can chat again, I am your host, Evan Grote. Thanks for listening, and as always, just win, baby.